I was just going to open with, what the fuck is this episode? I did not see oh, this coming. I was going to ease us into this because I'm like, I need like a moment, like a couple minutes of like a warm up before we talk about this episode. Okay. Because like, I feel like we've been too much all business on this podcast the past few episodes. So I think we need some uh, just, just, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what I need, but I, I feel I want to, I want, I know you, I, you joked about this last time that you don't do foreplay on the podcast, but I, I require foreplay chris i'm a big fan of foreplay so let's go so how's it going (laughs) (laughs) are you you seriously gonna ask me that today you just you know what's going on with me why do you ask me oh sorry i'm sure all things are great and rosy and happy it's all great it's all amazing yeah how about you Everything's good. I'm chilling. I am excited to be here today. Obviously, like I am always to be talking about this episode. I, you know, what's really interesting to me? Um, I thought I could cough something on the fly and it didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, you're great at improv. I I love this. This is what I miss. I want some more of this. I I already hate this intro so much. (laughs) <laughs> well strap in chris <laughs> <laughs> i hope like dear listener please forgive us uh, oh no please forgive me <laughs> <laughs> so you wanted to chat so let's chat what do you what do you want to chat about no that's all i needed i just need like a minute of just like i need to be like uh, i don't uh, I know see. you know it's just it's very different than just going in and being like boom this is the episode yeah you want to like or not you. I want to be wined and dined before we, like, you know, talk about this episode. But alas. Buy a podcast or a drink first. I get it. Exactly. Exactly. That helps, I'm sure, listening to this episode. Anyway. So, yeah, what, a, what an incredible episode. I didn't see this going coming at all. Oh my fucking god! I'm just like, ah! <laughs> Obviously, I didn't see this coming. I'm like, ah, so good. I'm so happy. But yeah. honestly, like, I my question is still why. <laughs> yeah. But like, but last episode was like why, and I'm complaining. This episode, I'm like why, and I love it. So I'm not. I'm happy. Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, my question is, is this cheating? Yes and no. But you don't care. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly my answer. Like, yes, but I don't. I love this episode. It's obviously the best one so far by a long shot. It's not and even fucking close. No, it's another, it's another, like, But layer. it's, like, almost, like, when they were making this show, they knew that it wasn't good enough. So they had mm. to, like, you know, inject it with some steroids and be, like, all right, we need a Mando episode. Let's make this great. Yeah, that's what I thought too. And what an indictment of the Boba show, honestly. I'm so sorry. No, like, it's not your fault. It's their fault for not making it better. Yeah, good point. But like, ah, it's just like, it also shows to me how much I miss Mando. And I miss Mm. that story. And I miss his relationship with the Grogu and all like... Pedro Pascal and the whole like it's just so much more charismatic and it's ironic to say that he's more charismatic but he is than Boba <sighs> so good so good all right but before we do that should we I'm just gonna do a quick plot summary if that's okay sure um 
So everybody strap in. It's summary is going to be a long one. <laughs> <laughs> like there's just so much that happens in this episode that it's on. There's only so much that I can do to make it brief, but I will try my best. Okay. <clears throat> Go for it. Yep. Uh, the episode begins in a slaughterhouse. As the opening shot pans over to an entryway lined with chiller blinds, we see a dark figure appear on the other side. And guess who it is, Chris? Dinjarin, everyone! It's Rando! Oh my god, I'm so excited. Dinjarin is back to his bounty hunting ways, tracking a Clatoonian named Kara Baiz. After offering him to bring him in warm or cold, a brutal fight ensues. Mando, of course, wipes the floor with everyone, only accidentally hurting himself with the dark saber. After bringing the bounty's head back to the client, he goes searching for the remnants of his clan back on Navarro, of which only the armor and Paz Vizla are there. We get an info dump about Mandalorian and dark saber history. The armor turns his Beskar spear into a gift for Grogu. And Mando trains with the Darksaber, revealing how hard it is to use. Paz Vizsla challenges Mando to a duel and, of course, loses. But in the process, Mando reveals that he had removed his helmet and is kicked out of his tribe, unable to atone for his sin. He flies commercial to Tatooine and reunites with Amy Sedaris's Peli Moto, who tells him that she can replace his Razor Crest. We get a building montage of the N1 starfighter from Naboo, made with parts from Jawas and help from Pelimoto's droid crew. On a test flight, Mando flies around Tatooine and then up into space, showing how fast the starfighter is. He gets stopped by New Republic patrols, which always seem to be like the same guys, or one of the same guys ever, or around, but <laughs> he is able to escape with his little NOS button. When he gets back to Tatooine, Fennec Shand is waiting for him, offering him money to help Boba in their upcoming fight. Mando will do it on the house, but he says that first he has to visit a little friend. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but I was going to joke that, of course, he means... Uh, uh, what's what's the guy's name? Uh uh fuck my joke my joke is so bad your jokes are so good chris keep going know, keep going you can do it i don't know what his name is that's uh, i forgot his name the guy Which who guy? died in at the end of of season one that's why it's also a bad joke because the guy's dead anyway you're not uh, going to cut this which is which is very very concerning to me so <laughs> let's just let's just like leave this behind <laughs> and okay. go into the episode i uh, i respect the effort chris thanks. good job isn't that like the uh, you know me me starting starting a joke? Is that not the uh, definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again and <laughs> expecting a different outcome. Anyway, so Mando's back. The dark is back. Holy shit! What's going on? Whoa! I'm so excited. It was just like so. Okay, so I had so okay. So as soon as you see the figure in the background, I'm like, you see the spear, you know it's Mando immediately, even before they reveal it. So I'm like, okay, this is Mando. This is a Mando. Is the is the whole episode gonna be Mando? Is it? Are they gonna like cut back and forth like they have so much in this show? Like what's gonna happen? And obviously, we just got all of Mandalore, which is or sorry, all of Mando or Dinjarin, and. I had so many questions going into it. It's like, okay, so is he? Does he have the lights, the dark saber? And then, like, one minute in, they answer that question by yes, and it's like, okay, so is he using it well? Because he hasn't really used it in the past. And it's like, oh no, okay. A couple minutes later, they answer that, and then it's just like, where? Oh, my, what is he doing? Like, where is he going? Like, uh, 
Whereas Grogu, like, and it, they tease so many things and they answer so many questions and there's so many, uh, it's just, this episode is, ah! Yeah, for a second when it started, I, my body was excited, by, but my mind was like, oh yeah, it's cool. It's just another episode of this. No, one, one second, I'm not watching The Mandalorian, I'm watching Boba. <laughs> Honestly, this is just like fits so well. It's as if it were the season premiere of Mando or something. And what like a that. season premiere that would have been. Oh, imagine. I'm wondering why they didn't do it that way. Like why what made them think that this was a good idea to put it in here? Honestly though, like with this if we're taking like the Boba show as its own thing, seven episodes two of which are not really related to the larger story and a few of them are not that good. So we're just like, what is going on with just Boba? But I mean, to be fair, that's what happened. Kind of happened in Mando season one. Yeah, kind of, but it was still Mando going around doing stuff. True. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and it wasn't like useless flashbacks, and then also a completely other character going around doing its thing. I mean, yeah. I'm happy, not complaining, but um, this episode's great. So yeah, for sure. And we get so much about the lore. It's so good. Yes. 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 I, I was going to say that I, I just love the violence of the first battle scene where he's like just chopping up people to bits with the Darksaber. It's just a different level of brutality that you see here. And I think, you know, it's to a certain extent, it's it's indicative of just the Darksaber itself being a more brutal weapon than just the blaster. But it feels so much more raw. And maybe because it's set in a slaughterhouse, <laughs> mm-hmm. that it doesn't help. But it was I think it was so well done. I love the first se- sequence. No response? Cool. I'll continue. No, sorry. I, I just thought for a <laughs> second. Because you stopped so abruptly that I thought maybe the internet was like to blame. But um, yeah, it was definitely something else. And I don't know. Maybe it's not just that it's Mando, but maybe it's that it's... Bryce Dallas Howard and not Robert Rodriguez. Forgive me, but like I don't know. I just love the direction of this one so much more as well. It's beautiful. She did an amazing job. Like yeah. the shots, how the cameras pan and follow him around. These like semi elongated shots. The um, just putting the camera like down underneath in the cockpit in the Starfighter. Like all these ways that she kind of depicted the story is just i think it's so well done and so many good decisions so what like i mean also even the writing here is so much better as well Mm -hmm. and they know the characters that they're they're dealing with and engaging with and what we want to see from them and just having um what's her name amy sedaris speak jawais is just like (laughs) it's so funny it's just so and she does it so well and it yeah yeah you definitely believe it like yeah when i saw her i was like oh no she's here again like she definitely has diminishing returns until she started talking about dating a jawa and then like speaking Javanese. um but um where is it going what's what's wrong with me today um yeah so so many great things about it the as soon as uh, honestly i was a little bit surprised disappointed by the fact that he went went back to the cove. I was very excited to see the other Mandalorians, but I thought maybe he had broken free of his creed. Um and the conflict with uh uh the other Mando was like obvious as soon as I learned that the guy's name is Vizsla. I was like, oh for sure he's gonna challenge him to a duel to get the Darksaber. And, Every Vizsla uh, is an asshole. Yeah, seriously. 
Um, but I love the lore with um, with you know the creed being the exact opposite of what the Jedi think about attachment, the children of the Force being the only survive or think they are the only survivors of the purge. We kind of see a flashback of the purge with a lot of bombers. Holy shit! Um, but even before all of that, the I mean, obviously the uh this episode had me at the first uh scene but when when i the first thing that was super unexpected was when they molded down the beskar spear that was like oh wow this is getting serious but of course it's for a little friend so well done i love it actually i really like that he did go back to his clan because it kind of makes sense so through this like journey that he goes on he doesn't really he never officially renounces what's going on. Yes, he takes off his helmet a couple times, but he hopes then to go back to his family. His entire life is around this covenant. Mm. And it makes sense that he goes back and it is in the end his family who refuses to keep take him in and casts him out and doesn't accept him for who he is at this point and cuz he has changed, but you know, you don't give up everything that you are and all that you have worked towards in your life because of a couple things it takes it takes time and it takes repeated um efforts to kind of break free of something as strong and unforgiving as this sort of creed as the watch that he has grown up in so i found it yeah i actually really like that he did do that and then he is now kind of be, by being cast out, he is now free to move move forward in his life in in the terms of his character development. So I actually thought that was actually a very smart decision because I thought if he had never even tried to go back, then that would have been a little bit too sudden of a choice or a change because in the end, it is still the armorer who set him on that direction to protect Grogu and to send him back to his family. So I think it it was actually a very smart decision, but that's just me. Yeah, I can totally see that. That's a good point. You raised some very good points there. So, for sure. One other thing that we learned about the uh, the watch uh, is that they were actually on Concordia um, as mm-hmm. opposed to being on Mandalore during the Purge. And it, Concordia was the same moon where the Death Watch was based. So, mm-hmm. the Death Watch, if those who are not familiar, was... Uh, a militant sect of Mandalorians who lived on a moon of Mandalore called Concordia that was led by Pre Vizsla. And wait, <laughs> what an asshole! God, literally the worst person ever. <laughs> Top four worst uh, Clone Wars characters for sure. Um, yeah, in terms of assholiness for sure. Yeah. And do I give spoilers for Clone Wars here? Sure. So and they align with Darth Maul bum, 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 to <laughs> to take over Mandalore from the pacifist regime of Sabine Wren. So there's a whole background there with what the Death Watch was, and it's still unclear the relationship of the Watch with the original Death Watch and Darth Maul. One little Easter egg which I learned about, which would be really interesting. I wonder if it's true or a theory, is that um, the armorer was loyal to Darth Maul in the split of the Death Watch itself. So, mm. because if you notice on her helmet, there are little horns. That ah, yeah. To, 
Darth Maul's horns as well. So that's an interesting theory. But uh, we know we don't know really what the relationship between the two are. But understanding that they were based on Concordia during the Purge, which happens after the Empire takes control, is an interesting connection between them that we're learning more about. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like yeah, totally. They're they're um, uh, you know. It's it's like their creed saved them. No, they, you were just not on Mandalore itself. That's kind of what saved you, probably. Um, but you know, every every group needs a founding myth, I suppose. Um, I at first I wasn't. I, I was very surprised that um, he just gave up all of his weapons on the. Me too, especially flight. the dark saber. Yeah, and I thought like he just hold on to it and just assume like just um pretend that it was just like not a weapon Uh, and i I, but i even less expected that all of the weapons would still be there after after his arrival i'm kind of like i'm kind of happy that they did that because they built that up in a way and as and it's like oh okay not everything has to pay off in like some weird way it's good to it's unexpectedly whenever unexpectedly smoothly and that was fun for sure and uh yeah at first i was like okay we're in Tatooine, so obviously this is going to be like boba related which in the end it turns out it is but then we get a lot of amy sadaris and as i mentioned previously i wasn't happy about it in the first like in the beginning but that quickly changed and i also what quickly changed was i at first i hated that they brought back the star the naboo starfighter from episode one like why do they keep mentioning the prequels but I gotta admit, the new one, the metallic-looking one, looks amazing. It's a badass ship, and I'm very excited for Mando to have that. And I yeah, think that's probably part of why this episode exists, so that they basically get an extra episode that they don't have to include in the Mandalorian. But this episode would have been fine in the Mandalorian. Have a 12-episode season. You don't have to like. Whatever, it's fine. Um, uh, sorry, I completely, I can't believe I misspoke. It wasn't fucking Sabine Wren who was the pacifist. It was Satine Kreese. <laughs> yeah, God, I was, I was wondering about that. I, <laughs> I was like, I'm so sorry. Is that what happened? <laughs> no, no, no. It was Satine Kreese, Bo-Katan Kreese's sister. Yes. I'm so sorry about that. That was just me being an idiot. Because I have another note here on Sabine. Um, oh. because I really liked. I'm still on the Mandalore stuff. Sorry. Um, I really liked how it was really difficult for him to wield the Darksaber and how mm-hmm. it felt heavy to him and because he was fighting the blade. And it's so similar to the training montage we get when Sabine Wren <laughs> is training with the Darksaber. And um, Kanan Jarrus, who is her, I don't know, her colleague, I guess. It was a former Jedi Padawan. He was teaching her how to use it and she struggles in the same way that Mandalorian or Dinjarin does so i found that a real another really nice nod to the lore of the dark saber itself that not anyone can wield it and it takes a lot of training to be able to use it effectively and yeah, it fights sure. you and it's not something that is you have to earn its trust in a way as a good weapon so i found that amazing mm. and yeah, also what a dick move from uh pax Vizla to like have him train first and then he's like kind of exhausted already and then challenge him to a duel i was like <laughs> that's not fair well he's a fucking vizsla yeah as we've, said multiple times, as we've said 
Every visitor is oh, an asshole. Worst. Seriously. <laughs> we don't like generaliz- generalizations here on Serial Hook, but all visitors are assholes for sure. So I have another more notes on Mandalorian stuff. So I really liked that she undermined Bo-Katan's claim to the throne. Mm-hmm. So Bo-Katan Kree's... Uh, as the armorer says, try to take over Mandalore or claim the throne of Mandalore based on blood because of her sister, Satine Kreez, and the Darksaber. But she w- didn't win it in combat. And as the prophecy goes, when someone who, who leads Mandalore doesn't win it in combat, it spells the end of Mandalore, essentially. And all of that kind of rings true. That prophecy is really interesting because as those who have seen Rebels know, the Darksaber was given to Bo-Katan by Satine as a gift. She did not win it in combat. In fact, it was Sabine Wren who actually won it in combat. Oh, no, sorry. She found it in uh, Darth Maul's whatever hideout. But as Bo-Katan did not win it in combat, then you have the whole story of the Purge, the Night of a Thousand Tears, the diaspora of the Mandalorians. And you can see how people like the Armorer, who are uh, attached to the old ways of Mandalore, believe that it's in some ways Bo-Katan's fault uh, that what happened to Mandalore happened and that she has no right to the throne. And it's it's really interesting because I still think that we're going to get some sort of conflict between Din Djarin and Bo-Katan in the third season of Mandalorian. But mm-hmm. it it's really important because to answer those questions about why was it okay for Bo-Katan to just take the, the Darksaber from uh, Sabine. But that it's just, it's so, so fascinating to see. Wow, I'm speaking so much about this, but this is all super, super interesting in terms of what is the motivations of the different factions of Mandalorians moving forward. Yeah, the, I th- we're at this point at the podcast now that I, do, I feel like we've talked about this before, but I can't quite remember where when we're talking about the Darksaber, if someone got it you know, without defeating someone and is like, has no right to it. If someone defeats that person has, do they have the right to it? Or is it goes, does it go back to the person who originally had it? Because if that's true, then Ahsoka is uh, the rightful wielder of the dark saber. Exactly. So I don't know that that's actually a really good point in terms of Ahsoka having, being the one I would imagine that it would be if anyone who's holding it, if they lose it, then it becomes the new persons. I don't think it's more Elder Wandy than that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but... it, it's, it's exactly the uh, example of the Elder One that makes me feel we've talked about this before because I kind of remember us talking about it already. Anyway, um, yeah, but I, I love that as well. Like all the world building, all the connecting, you can definitely see like this connects so much to the wider Star Wars lore and universe and I love it. But it's and not it really... overwhelming. It's so nope. good. <sighs> It's exactly f- treading that fine line where uh, people who know about it are super excited, uh, but uh, you know the people who don't really know the background are just like, okay, cool, that that makes sense as a uh, as an explanation. And a note quickly, I'm just gonna jump super forward. You talked about the Naboo ship. Um, it's so funny how like when we originally talked about the prequels a long, long time ago, there was like two things I liked about the prequels. And one of them was the Darth Maul fight at the end. And the other one was just the Naboo ships. That's the only <laughs> thing I liked. It's true. Yeah. And, and I was so happy they brought it back. 
yeah. so yeah back when and, we like, didn't have microphones yeah back in the old days yeah i still ha- i still have the files i just saw them the other day but n- no one's ever gonna listen to them ever nope <laughs> so um i don't know if we ever launch a patreon i guess we can get them as a reward <laughs> but let's not Why get would people want that i don't know man people like all sorts of shit it's like a behind the scenes stuff i don't know well tell us if you would like that by leaving a review on <laughs> yeah yeah oh man um yeah so on tatooine obviously we get a lot of interaction with emmy sadars i still i i <laughs> i never know her character's name and i don't care it's like it's emmy sadars who cares <laughs> do you want to know or no sure it's a uh, pelimoto pelimoto okay yeah so yeah we get a lot of oh droid shenanigans with peli who cares like okay it's great and then i love a good building building a spaceship montage and yes. like mando has like quite a few of them I also love the parts that like this interaction with the Jawas and getting the parts and how he get how they get it. And yeah. the relationship is so because in so many ways, the Jawas are seen as evil in some ways. So we see mm-hmm. them stealing stuff from our heroes or even from their very first depiction in Star Wars Episode four. They're kind of like junk traders. And now we see them as something very positive. They're still junk traders, but there is this uh, amicable relationship between Amy, Amy Sidaris. <laughs> <laughs> the Jawas. Yeah, and I love that they're, they're like they don't discriminate. They just steal from everyone, and I love love the subtle world building of them stealing stuff from the Pikes. Um, yeah. And obviously, Pele also mentions the Pikes and how everything's gone to shit since they've been there. Um, and yeah, I love that. And of course, we get we get the um, when 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 Mando tries out the new ship. And he comes across two New Republic pilots, and one of them uh, recognizes him. Like, Your voice sounds familiar. Can you come in from questioning? And then, as you aptly described, he uses his like space nos to get away. <laughs> I love that scene, especially it was, it was very like nobody nobody saw that coming. Yeah, I really like the space nos button. It's quite convenient, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was also, oh, part part of me was kind of like they should have done full Fast and Furious where they just showed the insides. Like he, he pushes a button and then you go inside the spaceship and see <laughs> everything what happens. That would have been fun. That would have been amazing. I really liked when he's testing the the ship and he goes through Beggar's Canyon and seeing all these places that um, you know. Yes, they were. They kind of refer to the pod racing, but they also refer to Luke in the original trilogy too, talking about these areas. So, I found it. I, I like the seeing the different spots of Tatooine that we didn't see, that you know, exploring a little bit that we haven't really done in the Mandalorian. Ugh, not in the Mandalorian, in Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. So weird. Yeah, we always just keep revisiting the same old places, which is kind of boring. Or just the vast expanse desert, or something like that. It's, it's, yeah, it's and way too long uh, shots of him just riding the panther. Yeah, it's fascinating because like the book of Boba Fett is set entirely on Tatooine, yet we really don't feel like we see Tatooine so much. But maybe that's just me. Um, but because we see, I the guess small that's village. just the nature of of power, which um, you know you get more in urban centers. Mm. I guess. But yeah, the only time we've we've seen Tatooine in its like 
landscape was mostly in flashbacks when he was mm-hmm. with the Tuscan Raiders. Yeah. So interesting. So interesting. Yeah. And it's funny that uh, at the end when Fennec and Mando talk, I love that Mando is like, it's on the house. And I was like, didn't I, didn't I predict that? You did. And that was, that was my <laughs> so first proud thought. of myself. <laughs> Gotta say. <clears throat> you should and be so, proud, Chris. Thank you. Oh, that was really nice. Um, so yeah, obviously that opens a lot of doors. I'm very excited for, you know, the possibilities of having just like a diehard like group of muscle and it's going to be very exciting. A lot of action coming up. And I, But I wonder whether... I mean, I guess we will see Grogu now or something. Or at least Mando trying to get to Grogu. I doubt he will see him. I don't think we will. I don't think we'll see Mando until the season finale. Yeah, when he comes so, back and saves exactly. everyone's ass. Yep. Yeah, so it's now it's just two more episodes, right? Yep, just the two. Yeah. Cool. So what do you think is going to happen next time? Um... I don't know (laughs) (laughs) I think we're going to get what I've thought for the past two episodes we're going to get them getting um, some recruits him training with the Rancor them prepping the fight and maybe some action sequences and initial fights maybe it's going badly at the end of the episode maybe Mando comes back by the end maybe he comes in the the end of the second uh, to the second episode that's left honestly I don't know because it's like it's kind of unexpected it's we we felt that the show is going in a certain direction and it kind of is but it's also just taking these wide ass detours that don't really progress the nar- the larger narrative of the season of television so it's quite confusing but mm-hmm. i'm happy to the maybe that's, episode in particular i'm very happy maybe that's part of what bob is there for to show the audience what's gonna come in the future that they might just diverge quite a lot and that's mm-hmm. fine you know but yeah, I totally also see some conflict coming even next episode. I could see them maybe get, getting ambushed or something and then in the in the last episode retaliate or something like that. But I guess we'll find out. Yeah, we will. I'm very excited for what's coming. Honestly, I'm just really happy about this episode. I'm surprised that we aren't talking more about what happened. Um, but... But uh, we've made this experience before. When we really like something, we have less to talk about. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. And safe to say, we really like this episode. And uh, like, it's definitely the best one so far in this show. Yes. I have. Oh, sorry. I have one more note that I forgot to mention until sure. now. Uh, a couple droid stuff. I really like um, how R5 is still hanging around. This is the same R5 (laughs) from Star Wars Episode 4. Yeah, it's amazing. It's so fun. And then this is like a little nod to those who have been to Disney. Um, The droid that that takes Mando's weapons in the uh, commercial flight, I guess you want to call it. That's the same droid who welcomes you in Star Tours in the ride of Star Wars in disney so it is absolutely cool like little they're really integrating like real life stuff and what's on the screen stuff so i'm really happy about that so keep going this episode is great i'm really happy dear lister if you liked what you heard chris what should people do to support the show definitely give us five stars or the maximum amount of stars wherever you listen to podcasts whether that's spotify apple Podcasts, or whatever 
And if you want to get contact us, well, how should people sign up? The easiest way to do that is to go to our website, serialhook.com, where you can find all of our contact information. And check out our teaser for our season two of Serially Hooked, which is on, Chris? Dungeons and Dragons. Oh my God, I'm so excited. See you guys next time. Bye.